Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. The FT. Welcome back to Banking Weekly with me, Patrick Jenkins. Today, why Slovakia could yet throw a spanner in the works of plans to expand the Eurozone's bailout fund, the European Financial Stability Facility, or EFSF. The longer we wait in the absence of detail, the market will be very volatile and prone to huge swings. The Basel Committee seems determined to press ahead with plans to force banks to hold more liquidity assets. But are all the countries that signed up to the Basel III Accord still committed? These type of measures generate intense national debates and intense national um, disputes between regulators into what is best. Joining me this week is the FT's investment banking correspondent, Megan Murphy. Now, first off, uh, plans to expand the lending capacity of the EFSF uh, is a topic in most people's minds across the Eurozone. This facility has to be approved by all 17 member states uh, of the Eurozone, but it seems like it may be running into trouble in the unlikely spot of Slovakia, where the government is struggling to get a majority to pass the legislation. Megan, do you think, is is this a kind of crucial hold-up? Is it going to kill the whole plan, or is it just a blip? Difficult to say right now. It looks like a blip, to be quite frank with you. Um, Because we've had blips before in Finland. Yeah, exactly, and and other similar pieces of legislation. I think the issue in Slovakia, um, although I speak not as a Slovakian political expert, is that he has been able to garner traction among voters with sort of um, an anti-Greek uh, you know, message and sort of saying this will be used to just bail out countries that can't get their financial houses in order. Remember that Slovakia is, you know, one of the poorest, smallest uh, regions in the Eurozone. So it is interesting that uh, this is being used as sort of a galvanizing topic. Of course, it. I think we forget sometimes in London how heated the political rhetoric is about Greece, Italy, Spain, Portugal in countries like Germany and France, etc. So it looks like a blip for now, but the expansion of the European Financial Stability Facility uh, into a facility that can directly recapitalize banks and buy you know, sovereign debt is crucial, obviously, to the next stages of resolving the ongoing sovereign crisis. Although there's a, you you say that quite correctly, but um, one of the things that some experts on Europe are still very hung up about is that even if this gets approval from all uh, all the member states that need to approve it, it still won't be the answer to the problems because we've seen um, a current exercise going on at the European Banking Authority, the, the, the region's regulator, to come up with what realistically would be the, the sum that would be required to recapitalise uh, banks, which could then, then in turn take the hit from um, potential defaults or restructurings of the most troubled parts of Europe. Um, and the EFSF is the vehicle, as you say, that a lot of people, including the French notably, would like uh, to be the vehicle to, to do that recapitalization. But um, 
there's still a great deal of confusion about how that vehicle could work, even once it's authorised to do all this kind of stuff. It can't technically do that direct investment in... There's a kind of technicality that um, a lot of people forget, I think, is that they can't directly invest in in bank capital, even under the, the rules, so that they would have to allocate the money to individual governments, which would then pass it on. Right. And there's an argument to say that therefore you don't break that horrible cycle of um, uh, connection between sovereign governments and the banking system so that, you know, you you just don't have that third party involvement. I mean, I think this debate is, as you said, playing out most specifically between German officials and uh, French officials, as you said, French, French officials want to have the FSF as the first backstop, shall we say, where banks and, of course, as listeners to this program will know, of course, we have to be careful because French officials still insist that their banks do not need to be recapitalized. But and then on the other side, Miss um, Marco, who would like to have first and foremost banks to recapitalize if they can um, through private to the markets, through private uh, private sources, and then to turn to national governments on a sort of government by government basis, depending again on which of their banks that need to be recapitalized and how the scale of the problem is. And so when I think when people talk about the FSF and sort of enabling that to take a larger role, it's almost a, it's another sign of sort of shoring up market confidence in the system and whether or not, in the absence of getting this type of uh, plan approved, whether or not the market will have full confidence that even if there are uh, technical gaps in the measures or that there's still, as we've not yet seen today, a full details of any program to do a sort of pan-European recapitalization, that at least we have uh, the measures in place as best we can to sort of do that kind of program. So I think that's more what people are focused on. Um, And as you know, it still seems today uh, a bit disappointing in a sense to some people that as I saw a quote today, you know, we've kicked the can towards can, which is, you know, in reference to uh, the meeting in the French, uh, famous French resort next month, where we expect that before then we will get details of, firmer details of the recapitalization plan as being discussed right now. But um, as we've discussed many times before in this program, the longer we wait in the absence of detail, uh, the market will be very, very, uh, very volatile and prone to huge swings, depending on different information that comes out. Now, I've just heard from um, someone kind of who's uh, closely involved with that EBA exercise to to, um, model for haircutting uh, sovereign debt, that the number that they privately are likely to come up with is somewhere between 300 and 400 billion uh, of of gap, which is an enormous one, Um, obviously, because they are haircutting for Um, countries like Italy and Spain. Now, there's a great deal of disagreement in the market as to whether this is uh, a realistic scenario to outline and therefore, you know, could could you even countenance having to recapitalise banks to take to absorb the, 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 the potential losses of a restructuring of, of Italian or, or Spanish sovereign debt because actually the whole of the Eurozone would be in total crisis. So um, it would be kind of, it would be just playing at the margins to try and recapitalise banks at that point because everything would be in chaos. And that actually there's a growing unease the direction of uh, European debate on this is focusing far too narrowly on recapitalising the banks as the kind of panacea solution when in fact there needs arguably to be more focus on a kind of dual track approach looking at how you convince the market that Italy as a sovereign is not going to default. 
But I, I mean, it seems that in the time available, you talked about the Cannes summit. You know that really isn't going to start to get back on track, which makes every a lot of people very uh, pessimistic about finding a solution. I mean, we yeah, it's it's um, it's sort of almost this fascinating problem because you and I have discussed before and again on this program about the issue of capital versus liquidity. I mean, that number is gargantuan, as you said. I mean, when you think back to. Uh, you know, when Christine Lagarde at the IMF suggested that European banks could need as much as you know, 200 billion euros of capital, she was criticized by the highest levels of senior bankers and officials as saying that, again, you're focusing on the wrong problem. It's not capitalization. It's liquidity issue and making sure banks have access to funding. But it's a chicken and the egg thing now almost with the market because as as many times as uh, we can say, you know, the the probability of an Italian default or a Spanish default remains, you know, incredibly low. And therefore, it's puzzling that the market is punishing some banks as much as they are. It seems then that the market is still demanding, uh, a, re- a you know, a recapitalization, a broad based recapitalization. And, you know, we see what happened with Dexia this week, and that obviously has made people incredibly wary. So, you know, I completely agree that whether or not this big bazooka, you know, a, a Euro version of a bazooka is As, is as David Cameron it, yeah. uh, copied Hank Paulson in his yeah. uh, terminology today. Yes, he, talking about a big bazooka approach from the Eurozone and what they should do. I mean, one one just wonders when we're eventually going to see the end game on this. Um, and if we're finally going to get a plan that, you know, people feel more confident about the ability to of Europe's banks to withstand a sort of deepening sovereign crisis. Uh, but again and again, it comes back to, I mean, I have to say, it does come back to Greece again and confidence in Greece and sort of getting a plan there that seems to be workable. And that seems no closer to no. reality today. And I suppose the other thing that is likely to push... Uh, Push for a solution um, among the politicians um, is as the year comes to a close, uh, the whole prospect of banks not being able to raise funding, short or medium term funding in the markets uh, in the first half of next year when they're really going to need it to start financing uh, lending next year. They've, they've actually got ahead of themselves this year and you know have resources in order to supply credit into the market but if the economy is starved of that credit we'd get a really bad credit crunch in the first half of next year as that prospect comes uh, closer i think that could fo- focus minds but um we will uh, keep our fingers crossed i guess moving on to our second topic for today the basel uh, liquidity rules um our colleague brooke masters uh, had a an interview with the new head of the basel committee on banking supervision this is the body that sets these global rules basel 3 being the the main focus of everyone's attention now and there's still a few topics within basel 3 to be finalized but stefan ingers um, told brooke um exactly uh, that the on the on the point of liquidity uh, was obviously very uh, topical as we were just discussing that he won't back down in terms of the uh, demands uh, on for bank liquidity is he taking the right stance do you think Megan well it's interesting because as we were just saying I mean everyone is so minutely focused on capital and they have been throughout the Basel debate a lot on you know the SIFI surcharge for banks in terms of that large systemically important financial institutions would get you know, higher surcharge um, based on their systemic importance to the global economy. But actually, you know, outside of that high profile debate has been this, some would argue, more important debate over these first, which we would see the first sort of worldwide rules on 
forcing banks to hold more liquid assets in the case of um, a Lehman-style collapse, et cetera. And there's two sort of core issues there. There's one measure called the liquidity coverage ratio, which is um, a measure designed to have force banks to hold enough liquid assets to, to, to survive a sort of severe 30-day run on their funding by both um, sort of retail depositors withdrawing money and corporate uh, corporate customers withdrawing funds. And so that's one. And the other is called uh, the net stable funding ratio, which is designed to sort of force banks to hold more long-term funding sources. Now, the Financial Times has written um, several times about banks' concerns over both these measures, the liquidity coverage ratio in particular. Uh, many banks have argued that it is the assumptions are too severe and that uh, it will really restrict their ability to lend. And that obviously is a huge debate right now, as you said, when we're facing um, what some people are calling a credit suisse to business, et cetera, and and to retail retail customers as well. And one of the great ironies, of course, here is that regulators have been pushing banks over the past 12 months informally already to hold more liquid assets. And one of one of the key assets they've been forcing them into is sovereign debt. So um, uh, in some cases, compounding the problems that we're seeing uh, in terms of the uh, the stability of the sector. But anyway, sorry. I, uh, no, absolutely. I mean, we'll, we're looking at that in, in connection with um, the UK banks and specifically today. But, mm. but I think that uh, when you look at sort of, again, the national debate, which is so hard to divorce these issues from the sort of national debate, I mean, the French banks are a group of, you know, if you look at SOCGEN or if you look at BNP Paribas, I mean, their short-term funding dependency is very high compared to uh, their European competitors. And again, their liquidity coverage ratio is lower than a lot of their European rivals. So again, these type of measures, as with all of these type of measures and puzzles, generate intense national debates and intense national um, disputes between regulators into what is best because obviously everyone wants to protect their own banking system and make sure that their own system as it's constituted is you know strong and able to compete on a European and, and international level. So uh, it's interesting what he said. We had heard that you know, there has been some talk that there would be a little bit of scaling back in terms of liquidity. There's been coverage. a lot of lobbying, exactly. certainly. And that uh, the net stable funding ratio, in fact, might even be kicked into the long grass uh, but he seems to be saying that that is not the case. I still think there's going to be a lot of lobbying that goes on around the edges of this. Um, well, certainly in the current environment, there's, you know, I suppose there's an argument both ways and says, well, the crisis now proves that you need this more robust approach and we should move to it as fast as possible. But then the counter argument is, well, you just compound something, you make a pro-cyclical uh, changes in the rules, um, which just compound everybody's problems right now. I think we'll have to end it there, sadly, um, for this week. All that's left for me to do is to thank Megan uh, for her contribution and uh, thank you for listening. Banking Weekly was produced by Emily Cadman. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.